On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we debut a new format. It actually seems like we're a real podcast with like actual engagement from Rufus and I at each level. We have a wonderful interview or interview with James Holzauer, Jeopardy James. And then finally, we debut some new segments where we actually give you a pick, which is counter to the theme song. So with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast where Rufus Peabody prefers professional better best allegedly golf best golf better in the world moves markets and i jeff ma former advantage player has been was were gambler talk about sports betting in a way hopefully that you all care about we try to make you smarter betters but that's kind of like spanky's tagline be better better so i don't want to steal that line so but we try to talk about sports betting in a way that isn't just picks, right? If you listen to the theme song, it's about, it's not about, um, if you want just picks, go somewhere else or whatever. What's the line? If you're looking for picks, place, find you're in the wrong place, find the top with the narrative. Yeah, there you go. A strong case. Yeah. So we didn't write those lyrics. Someone else wrote them. Um, but Rufus and I have been doing this for a while and, you know, we're, we're hoping that we're getting new listeners now with our, um, better sound quality in, and not always great sound quality, but better sound quality. We're hoping we're getting more listeners. So fewer listeners. No, we're thinking, hoping we're getting more than seven. So then um, we want to at least tell people what we do and who we are. So Rufus, how was your week last week? It was a challenging week, Jeff. I I got absolutely obliterated in college football. Oh, I thought you meant drinking. Sorry. Oh, I mean, I got obliterated drinking after I got obliterated in college football. I think we went seven and 17 on our full game college football and and then lost like 35% on second halves. Wow. Yeah. I got, how, how about you? I got killed on second halves. Not killed. I I lost last week on second halves um, at one point was doing quite well. Um, and uh, you, you know, you know, you have those like mid peaks in the middle of the day when you're like, Oh my God, if the week just ended right now, it'd be great. And then you just oh, see, keep, I never had never, that. you just never, I, I just don't think I won a game after that. Like I was just like lost, 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 lost. So it was, it was uh, what, what was your most tilted moment from the week? You know, actually, this this happened afterwards. It happened on Monday, but we had we had um, played Arizona State, and we sent this play out to people that got down for us. And they, you know, we sent plus fifteen for twenty two thousand, and they sent back that you know pl- we bet Arizona State plus twenty two for fifteen thousand. So it was I hadn't like checked, and it was logged as that. So I, so I thought somehow that we won that bet, and it turns out no, we didn't. It was it was yeah. Uh, so actually I think we're, instead of seven and 17, we're six and 18 on the weekend. That's the worst. Which makes it even worse. It's like just adding insult to injury. And it was, I mean, that's probably the worst college football day, you know, dropping more than a quarter million. Have you ever looked at a bet afterwards and then figured out that you just bet the wrong side? I probably have at some point. I, I don't think I can remember any specific time. I've, is, I've is definitely had moments. Been... Yeah. I probably have had, uh, almost equal moments where I've bet the wrong side and they've been a winner and bet the wrong side and they've been a loser. So I think they've kind of netted out. 
are you when you bet the wrong side are you actually rooting for that bet to win or not sometimes i don't realize until after the fact right like normally if i do bet the wrong side and i realize that i try to get out of it during the game if i can are you gonna if you bet the wrong side are you going to go and bet the correct side if let's say it didn't have an edge would you just hedge out for like without the hedging bet being plus ev um probably yeah it's like a weird psychological thing at that point where i just don't i just want to get off that bet so i'm not sweating it in the wrong way the whole time we had a situation not this week but the week before for betting college football second halves where i think we ran the model but the play-by-play hadn't updated with a late field goal and this is the appalachian state game i believe and so we like loaded up on on i forget which team we bet on but but in, in the under um and it turned out that after we ran it once the play-by-play was updated and, and the score was correct we didn't have an edge there and we actually had an edge on the other side so we had to like kind of get out of it but but it's always fun to bet plus nine minus 105 and then minus nine minus 120. yeah um my most tilted moment thanks for asking from the week was um really around the patriots game because our model liked the ravens okay in that game and everyone knows i'm a really big patriots fan and i so i bet the ravens minus three it went to minus two and a half so it went against me and then when um you know, the, the game started progressing. I was actually just looking for an opportunity to get out of it with and, and maybe get an arbitrage opportunity. So I took some Patriots plus four at the course of the game, which I was able to get. And then all of a sudden the Patriots came back and scored um, and they got up. And then at halftime, they were actually, you know, I was in a situation where the the our model actually like the Ravens uh, minus one, it dropped all the way down to even. And I just couldn't bring myself to bet it because I was like watching the game. And so what ended up happening, the Ravens like boat raced them. I would have won two bets. Instead, I ended up even for the day in that game and um, felt like an idiot. That was pretty tough. And you held off just because you were watching the game and you didn't want that. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, at that moment, I don't care enough to root against the Patriots that I'm willing to make that bet. And, you know, that's what probably makes me not a professional better anymore because I make dumb decisions like that, but I was definitely more of a fan at that moment. So, um, yeah, that was it. Hey, just cause I'm a professional doesn't mean I don't make dumb decisions. Okay. So let's go into where our guest today, our guest today is going to be James Holzauer, Jeopardy James, um, which is exciting. And I reached out to him because, and I talked to you a little bit about this. I've been sort of fascinated about the idea of advantage players and how um, they kind of like live their lives and how they think about the world. And, um, you know, I was talking a little bit to James about it. He goes, well, why don't I just, I just come on the podcast and we can do an interview about that. But an advantage player is essentially like a card counter is an advantage, advantage player, a poker player. That's a plus EV poker player is, um, you know, many sports betters are advantage players. They're people that understand how to beat systems, how to get positive EV, positive expected value, um, positions in, um, different games. And, you know, obviously we know a lot in the sports betting world, but what I'm fascinated about is understanding like the ones that have like transcended out of sports betting and even really out of casino games into other worlds. Um, I don't know if you have anything on advantage players that you are interested in. No, I mean, I think it's an interesting way of approaching the world. And I think 
advantage players tend to be explorers and be very curious and, and sort of looking for holes and systems. And, and that I think kind of applies to how they live their lives on a personal note as well as professionally. Yep. All right. So we're, we're about to usher in James. Um, and we'll talk to you guys on the other side of the interview. Rufus and I now have the pleasure of welcoming in Jeopardy James, James Holzauer, one of the best advantage players that we know, at least one of the ones that sort of uh, broadened the concept to the mainstream world. Uh, James, welcome in. Hi. Uh, before we get on topic, I want to say I was like, I found it so amusing that you guys bragged about your new audio equipment last week. And then you brought on my friend, Matt Davida, who sounded like he was, I don't know, calling in from a plane or something, <laughs> constantly having issues with uh, Good, yeah, good it did, his, his audio did sound really bad and I wasn't sure what was going on. Um, before we jump into sort of some questions, just a little background on you. Um, obviously, professional sports better, better known as um, Ken Jennings caddy or Ken Jennings. What, what, what are you? You're his assistant or chief of staff. Um, but uh, no. Yeah, close, close enough. You're actually his nemesis on Twitter, right? I mean, you, I feel like you are constantly trolling him on Twitter, which I which I find very amusing. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, you know, like I mean, I, I would say we're we're friends behind the scenes, but I'm actually not allowed to say that anymore because he's, uh, you know, quite possibly going to host if I ever come back on Jeopardy, and they they can't have like the appearance of impropriety. So he, uh, uh, like, sent me a breakup text, basically saying, like, sorry, sorry, we can't do this anymore. Yeah, but for those of that that don't know, um, James was sort of the person that broke Jeopardy in many ways. He figured out how to beat it um, in different ways than anyone else had. He was, um, you know, the first, I think you were three times, you were winning three times as much money, basically, at a, a rate three times what, what Ken Jennings was, and um, essentially really changed the game of Jeopardy in, in many ways. And yeah, did that money mold it. We're kind of going out of order here, but I know uh, I know one of the topics we wanted to cover today is like the the advantage play mindset in different venues. And uh, for for fans of Jeopardy, you who have been around for a long time, you'll notice there's a big difference in the way Ken Jennings has ever played versus how he played against me in the tournament because he he had seen like the formula. And this this you know is definitely a thing you you go through as a sports better. You don't want to you don't want your methods to get out there, right? And like. If, if people know who you are, they know what you're doing and they can, they can fight back against you. It's by, could be by banning you. It could be like, you know, setting the lines differently, whatever. But um, once, once your stuff is out there. So for those who don't know, Jeopardy is taped a while in advance. So when I was originally on the show, nobody, nobody who came to the studio know who I was. They didn't know I was playing a weird style. until they saw it in person. They had no time to prepare for a different kind of thing. But Ken, you know, when he knew he was going to face me, he had time to prepare. He, he said, okay, you know, the old way wasn't working. I'm going to, try playing like James. And it turns out when Ken plays like James, then that's a very hard force to stop. <laughs> Do you think that he will always play like that or he would always play, I mean, play like that going forward? Uh, well, I think that he's probably has to retire from competition. So it might be a moot point, but yes. I mean, I, I don't know. Is he playing against me? <laughs> I, I think maybe it had something to do specifically, not just, okay, this is a better way to play, but also I need to do this specifically to counteract the player I'm, I'm up against right now. Yeah, but like this... Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, I feel like the point you're making is is kind of true broadly across industries. I mean, if you think about analytics on fourth down or or what Billy Bean did in terms of valuing on base percentage and and undervalued assets and just sort of, you know, you in, in sort of public spaces, if you you you, you act a certain way, you you know, it, it everybody sees it. You can't hide it. 
even in private spaces, like, you know, I, I'm sure you've gone, both gone through this a number of times. I find like, oh, some sports book is doing some really awful thing with their hockey totals. How can I get this for a lot of money without sounding the alarm bells and, uh, you know, having them pull this market off altogether or kick me out of it or whatever, you know, it's, it's a tough balance. That's, that's what Captain Jack refers to as the quote art of sports betting. <laughs> sure. So it's interesting though, because I, what I think I, the theme that I hear that I'm interested in is this idea of almost like game theory versus analytics, right? Because this idea that Ken had to play that way because he was playing you versus wanting to play that way because it's the optimal way to play. Right. So like, you know, like a lot of times you'll see um, NFL teams, do they change the way they play? Do they need think they need to be more aggressive if they're playing against a team that's equally going to be as aggressive? Like back in the day uh, when Baltimore or even in the early um, days with, with the Chargers, with Staley, when they were very aggressive on, on fourth downs, do you think that that means that as a, an adversary to those teams that you need to be equally as aggressive on fourth downs or do you just stay with what your process is? Yeah, this is an interesting uh, thing. So, you know, I've been betting for a while. And what, what was the first year the Houston Rockets started doing the let's shoot all the three-pointer strategy, whatever it was. They, I remember, like, my my grade for their defensive efficiency was really bad that year. And I was, like, you know, trying to, to figure out why. And after I went on Jeopardy, I actually got to chat with Daryl Morey. And he explained that, like, you know, one team saw them running this three-pointer strategy against them. Like, okay, let's let's try doing that back at them. And now, you know, like, they're they're playing better basketball as a result of, you know, I, I think it wasn't even like they were copying it at all the games. They were copying it specifically in those, you know, and that's like, there is definitely a cost to making your opponents aware of this is how you need to play. And, you know, you, you can only get that benefit for so long. It's funny though, because either it's a good strategy or it's not right. So I, it, it, the idea that you would adapt it based on your opponent, but not in other situations, like it'd be interesting to see if Ken played, uh, just a random person or like, I don't know, I don't remember the names of all the, the, the other people, but <laughs> sure. like um, whether nobody he, he does. Yeah. It's just you and Ken. That's all they remember. And the woman <laughs> that beat you, what's the woman that beat you's name? Emma or something. Her, like that? her name is Emma. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. See, nailed yeah. it. See, I could be on jeopardy jeopardy, like trivia for jeopardy. There we go. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know if you, uh, you're probably not tapped into the grapevine, but they're trying to make like five spinoffs now. So uh, <laughs> that, that might exist before too long. We'll see. Well, they got to take advantage of all the, I mean, do you feel, this is a total side note, but do you feel like you should have equity in all of these new endeavors because of how much you did for the, for Jeopardy? Or maybe you do. It's like the uh, Phil Nicholson argument with Liv, right? <laughs> it might be slightly overstating the case, but I'm sure my agent is going to present uh, something like this to them when the time comes. So. Okay. So let's go back. So the, 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 the idea of um, what you discovered in Jeopardy, now, we'll, we'll take a step back and, sort of like, what did you do before Jeopardy? And like, what made you kind of like well-suited to look at a game like Jeopardy and beat it? So to start out, I think there's like a, a mindset you get. Um, I don't know if you people start with it or they acquire it over the years of advantage play, but you, you just like look at things. One thing you definitely learn is how hard it is to achieve something that a lot of people want, whether it's, you know, beating the NFL markets or going on a game show and winning. Like you have to really devote yourself to it to a level that's probably not healthy i would say like my wife and i have lots of conversations about work-life balance and she's definitely 
right that you know from like a, a psychological standpoint being a, a world champion of stuff is not good <laughs> i think i think we're seeing like lots of top athletes are you know chatting openly about their mental health it's not it's not good to devote your life to this sort of thing but it's kind of what you have to do if you want to really be on that that top one percent of one percent level you need to get to um but yeah like i think when you're an advantage player you just kind of see the world through this whole thing i talk about my wife when i met her i was 26 and she was 29 and she was like you know so much more amazing than any other woman i had ever met but at the same time i was thinking in the back of my head like you know what happens when a, a baseball team signs a 29 year old free agent to a 10-year contract it doesn't end up working out well for them right and i'm so glad i didn't listen to that she's, she's wonderful you know it, it worked out great but like it, it these thoughts you know this way of looking at the world it never goes away so you you look at a thing like the jeopardy board and you know, like they, there's only a few opportunities to really strategize on it, but the, the daily doubles are there. I, I guarantee you when whoever invented the daily double invented it, they were not thinking, okay, here's going to be a clue where they just slow down the game and someone bets, you know, a thousand bucks. No, it's meant to be like a game changing event. And I honestly don't know why no one else decided to do this before I did, but yeah, you know, it's, it's the correct way to do it. You know, I, I mean, I ran some simulations, but I kind of just knew in my head, like, mathematically it had to be correct to take this thing that you're 90% to get and getting even money on and really press it to the fullest. Well, I mean, isn't it the classic case of loss aversion is the reason? I mean, like anytime that there are not anytime, but most of the times when there are inefficiencies in a game, it's because we're all prone to psychological biases that keep us from playing the game optimally. Right. And in this case, I think you have a lot of loss aversion. Yeah, you know, normal Jeopardy, they also call it dollars. So I think like even even though, you know, you're not really risking real money until until you win, it feels like dollars to people. One subtle um, change that they made for the greatest of all time tournament, actually, they didn't call them dollars. Uh, they called them points. And I think maybe they were concerned that someone would accumulate more than a million total points and they have to pay out a bigger prize or something like that. But I, I don't know, maybe maybe that helped Ken think like I'm not risking $30,000 I'm missing 30,000 points. It's, it's possible. Yeah, I, think, I mean, you also have two competing things. You want to you want to accumulate as much money, points, whatever as you can in that particular round, but you also care about um, advancing to the next round, winning, just winning, so that you can play again to earn more money. And it's kind of the argument for a, I don't know someone like Bill Belichick if he's against a team that is overmatched. You know, he might punt in a situation where you'd expect he should go, you know, go for it because you know, he's trying to minimize variance in a way. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, like late in games when I had a big lead, I never jeopardized the game for a few thousand extra bucks. That would, that would never have made sense. But, you know, early on, it's, that really doesn't factor into much. And also you don't know who the contestants are you're playing against, you know, like I, I mean, they, they like do a short practice round, but you can't learn much from that short practice round. And anyone you face could be the next killer. You know, you got to kind of approach the game like they're that killer until they prove otherwise. Tell me about the short practice round. I never knew about this. Uh, sure. So, I mean, it's, it's mostly like to get you acquainted with the equipment. Uh, they like um, send everyone up there. You play like a practice mock game and everyone goes, you know, if you buzz in successfully a few times, usually they rotate you out and put new people in. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's basically just to make sure you understand like how to press the button and when that kind of stuff. Are there are there other examples of how you've employed you know advantage play concepts outside of your um, marriage and outside of uh, Jeopardy and sports betting? I mean, I don't know. It just kind of pervades your life. I'm trying to think of a specific thing, but I, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm 
I'm the kind of person who every time I, I go to a new restaurant, I must read the entire menu because I don't want to uh, get the second best dish there. You know, that's I, I don't know if I learned this from gambling or it's just like the way I'm built. But uh, it's like I, I'm completely the opposite of my wife. It's interesting. She like folds up the menu after five seconds. She's seen a thing she wants. And I, uh, I'm, I'm angry because I got to study this whole thing. You know, sometimes it's like a, a you better never, never go to cheese. I was about to say, hopefully yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. ever go to the cheesecake factory. You'll never get to eat. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. So now moving out of Jeopardy into what you're up to now, um, have you been doing much sports betting or is that part of your life anymore? Uh, it was until like last football, last football season, I got, uh, I, I call it murdered. I think I like broke even for the season, but for me, that's, that's getting murdered. And you know, like that, that includes, uh, all the bonus money they were giving away, uh, all these new sports books that are opening up. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like everyone pictures this glamorous life of betting sports here. There were weeks where I would like drive to the middle of the Arizona desert to go, uh, bet sports there because honestly, Arizona is a better market than Nevada right now. It's like, insane but whatever it is what it is you know and i would like it strike i need to find need to find a place that would geolocate in arizona but still have cell signal which required you to drive like absurdly far into the state you're like 20 right. miles in right you got, yeah you yeah yeah you, so you, you're familiar oh, yeah. with this <laughs> oh yeah the, 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 the little truck stop there yep i found That's the one shady spark parking spot <laughs> it's another place i should run into you um, but yeah, I don't know. Like this, this year I decided, uh, there's, there's a lot of factors, you know, inflation is really high. A lot of this stuff I, I do, especially for NFL is like based on futures and stuff that doesn't pay off for six months. You know, if I'm taking a 5% hit on that already, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a disincentive to, to get into it. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I talk about work-life balance, right? Right now I need, uh, I need less stress going on. So I'm scaling it back this year. In terms of uh, the future stuff that you've historically done, where do you think you get your edge there? Or where have you gotten your edge historically? It's interesting. It's changed over the years. So, you know, when I got started, it was like the, the mid 2000s. And, you know, the, I don't know how they were setting the odds for like baseball futures and stuff, but they had insane stuff. You know, the, the year the Tampa Bay Rays shocked the world and made the World Series, they were 300 to one to win the series. They didn't win, but, you know, I, I cashed 125 to one and then to win the pennant. And they like the true price was probably something like 10 to one. It was just, outrageous how far off they could be on this uh i i have you know i mean may, maybe that was the wake-up call they needed because like within the next couple of years they started like using a lot of more advanced numbers in their forecasting and suddenly the season wins lines look pretty close to where you would see them projected on baseball perspectives or fan drafts places like that um around then like i would say that one big edge they had is uh, the football futures markets seem to do a bad job of accounting for tiebreakers so i would often like look for a team that had the the tiebreaker edge to get the number two seed in the conference. I think that was the biggest um, angle I had at the time. You you could find like stupid. I think of uh, let's see the Falcons. What was that? 2015, 16, whatever year uh, they made the Super Bowl. They uh, they you know I think like week the second to last week of the season maybe they got uh, there was an upset in the Seahawks game and they got the inside track for the two seed and I don't know the markets just didn't react at all. They probably had no Falcons money because. Who, who, was betting on them uh and yeah they were a uh, great value for that kind of stuff um i don't know there's other kind of stuff now too i i just i you know i'm not privy to how they set this this stuff but i i, I find like they have the the in-season season wins that you can bet now those are fantastic you find like 15 20 percent edges on that somewhat regularly i don't i don't know why but <laughs> they, they just are 
I know that that shouldn't be that hard to price. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, you know, you, you, this is not that hard. You you come up with a halfway decent set of uh, power ratings and put them into the unabated simulator. Plug alert. Uh, you go. you turn up a, a huge edge. It's not rocket science. Rufus, <laughs> of course, I didn't win any money doing this last year. So. <laughs> do you see the same thing in uh, team totals and whatnot? You know, I haven't been, uh, I have not been betting futures heavily this year. So I, I know last year I did, and Captain Jack actually said that he that the value was ridiculous in season futures. So I wonder yeah, why the, that is. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. These aren't two sided like, markets, so the over, the over is like the over round is is pretty high, right? No, no, they are two sided markets. Regular season oh, wins, theoretically. Yeah. Oh, season wins, season, season wins. wins. Sorry, I thought you, I thought you said uh, I thought you're still talking about futures. Sorry. I consider season wins a form of a future bet. But they what's are interesting future. to me is you don't have to be able to price out dynamic uncertainty that well for season wins. Right. Like it certainly helps, but you know, the best project projection for how a team, how good a team is going to be next week is how good they are this week, typically. So that's uh, dynamic uncertainty for those of you guys that had that on your bingo board, make sure you get that. Rufus just said it. That's the first time we should actually have a bet the process bingo board. That's great. And idea. we should issue it out there. And then whoever gets it first wins. We should allow sure. someone, one of our seven listeners, to kind of help us brainstorm what this bingo board should look like. Uh okay. So James, what is the what is the next, you know, let's say maybe not for you, because obviously work-life balance is really important, but where where do you see the next? Like if you were a James Holes hour 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago, pre-Jeopardy, pre-children, pre the 10-year contract that you signed your wife to. Um, what would you what would you then um think about breaking into and, and using advantage play to beat? I mean, it's it's so much tougher. Just every across the board, everything is so much tougher than it has been. Um, I think like you kind of just have to be looking around. I you know, I had no interest in ever betting hockey totals, but I just decided to like build a, uh, a little, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. Like a spreadsheet uh, on how to say convert from five and a half goals to seven goals on a total and something. And I, I noticed that, you know, major sports, but pinnacle pinnacle was doing this wrong. It's uh, it was incredible to me. And I like, you know, I mean, they, <laughs> I bet them so heavily that they stopped offering these markets either to me or in general. I don't know, but uh, they, they like stopped letting you move a hockey total of one and a half goals because I was just betting them on, I don't know, half their board every day. And they probably said, okay, so we're, we don't know what we're doing wrong, but it's something. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you have to be open-minded to, to finding stuff like that. I would say, I mean, I, I started out like purely just handicapping baseball games and I knew nothing of sports markets i actually like matt davidow taught me a lot of what i know now about you know how to read markets and use the information out there you know i used to be like if if i bet a team at plus 130 and the line moved to plus 150 i'd be like oh give me give me some more of that you know value town now and that's that's not how the world works but you know you you need someone out there to explain this kind of stuff to you when you're getting started is there anything outside of the world of sports betting that that interests you from an advantage play standpoint? I mean, Jeopardy was something that I think, I mean, what was the interest in Jeopardy from the beginning? You would always just found it interesting or trivia interesting? Yeah, so it's, uh, I probably told the story the last time I was here. But anyway, when I was growing up in uh, Chicago land, they had they have afternoon Jeopardy and afternoon baseball there, which is a rare thing. You know, most, most baseball games start at 7 p.m. local time. And most of the time, Jeopardy is on at like 7.30. But in, in Chicago, it was like 
120 baseball games for the Cubs, 330 Jeopardy. And so like in the time I, I had to watch my TV between when I got home from school and my dad got home from work, these were the things I could watch before I shut the TV off. And I kind of like, you know, devised a dream of like working for a baseball team or going on Jeopardy someday. And I don't know. I, I just. So you've almost it, fulfilled both dreams. Sure. Close enough. Yeah. But you know, it, it's it kind of fulfilled a lifelong passion. And then I think my competitive instinct and drive to, to be the best just kind of took over from there. Um, I, I'm passionate about the card game bridge. Uh, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I guess like another thing you can learn from the advantage play world, especially if you talk to like blackjack people or something, is like, you know, when the edges are so small, people's, people's drive to cheat is, uh, is very strong. I mean, like you could argue about whether like whole carding is cheating or whatever, but you know, in the, the world of competitive bridge, like the, the world's best bridge player is only a very, very slightly better than the hundredth best. And so there's been a, an enormous number of cheating scandals. You know, we, I would say like for the last 40 to 50 years, something like half the world champions later had to forfeit their title because it was discovered they were doing some elaborate stuff that they sometimes would like play footsie with their partner under the table or something like that to signal, uh, you know, something about their hand. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I would... I don't know that I have the drive to become a world champion at bridge, but it's a, uh, it's could be the next step. I don't know. It's a, it's a fascinating game. So that's a, we'll, we'll end on this note because I think this is an interesting question. And then we're going to give you our new feature, which you're the first guinea pig for, which is the top seven questions from our listeners for our guest. Um, but you know, cause we have seven listeners, but what, where, where do you draw, you mentioned cheating, you mentioned hole carding, I think one of the things that I've always thought about with advantage players is that everything they're doing is legal, right? That's one of the things that like defines an advantage player. Where is that ethical line for you? I know for me, and I think I've mentioned this before in the world of blackjack, I refuse to use a computer. I refuse to use any outside device, even though there were nope. members of the team. No that anal thought beads. About, no, anal, no anal beads, nothing like that. <laughs> what, what are, what are the, wh where's the line for you? And, you know, like, how do you think about that in terms of, of how you live your advantage player life? That's interesting. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't know that I have a, a firm line in my mind. Like I would never, bet a you know if they if they flipped the the plus minus on a 30 point college football spread i would never bet the plus 30 something like that um but i don't know like i don't i don't feel like say board cleaning is uh is unethical i don't feel like acting on injury news before the market has it is unethical um i don't know it's kind of like a cat and mouse game i feel i there's a line there, but I don't I don't know precisely where I would draw it. I would say like you you don't you don't just do every single thing you can that that gives you an advantage over the field. Do you think whole I mean, carding yeah. is unethical? Uh yes, but I don't I mean I've never Ooh, like why? I've never watched it. I don't know. I don't know. Yes, yeah, it's it's, it's so it's for those area. the listeners that don't know what whole carding is, it's essentially being able to somehow see or detect the card that's down for the dealer. Um, either by the dealer being kind of sloppy or there being like even like edge the edge sorting stuff that Phil Ivy did yeah. was a form of hole carding, right? I think I think Phil Ivy was over the line. I think like definitely if you if you're complicit with the dealer somehow, definitely over the line. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would I would not hole card. Uh, and I, I feel like I have a strong compass. Oh, this is a thing I can talk about. Like, uh, you know, you so the advantage player instinct is like, you know, play every edge to the bone, right? So my agent comes to me with all these offers. Every every offer I get now is for me to go give picks on some show. And, you know, like I 
I uh, I read a series of sports betting articles for the Athletic, and this this you know pays me a solid four figures a year. <laughs> I could be making like probably six or seven going on TV and giving picks, but I I will not do it. It's not uh, you know bringing good into the world, right? Like I don't know. I don't know that whole carding is actively bringing bad into the world. I think me going out and giving picks would. So that's that's over the line for sure. Rufus and I also will not give picks on TV, mostly because we're just bad on TV, but that's another You've story. You've got to save them for the podcast. It's very important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, here is our new feature. It's sponsored by our seven listeners, and there are seven guest questions for the guest, one from each of our listeners. The first one is, and these are really important, I need you to think a lot about these, who is funnier, Rufus or Jeff? Oh God, I, I, I like, you know, those times where Rufus tells a joke and there's like dead air after it. It's like, it gets me in like a cringe comedy kind of way. I think, it, yeah, if you're, if you're a fan of that, like um, yeah, the rehearsal, is that what it's called? That kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I hate that comedy. That's <laughs> I got to go with Rufus then. Okay, who is smarter, Rufus or Jeff? Mm. Yeah, I don't know if I have enough information to answer that. Uh, I mean, from a sports betting perspective, I'd have to go with Rufus, but I don't know. Uh, Losing on all facets. You're older and wiser, right? So (laughs) definitely older. Definitely older. Uh, We got crap for talking about our snack food that we both enjoyed so much one day and saying (laughs) we were the least relatable people in the world. So, what is the least relatable food that you like? I want to uh, change my answer on this smarter thing, by the way, because I forgot you have kids and you, that divides your brain in such a way that if you can like win at sports betting and parent your children, you, you are the, uh, <laughs> the winner. Okay. Um, least relatable food. Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm Japanese. Uh, I really like some weird Japanese foods. Um, they have a, uh, a thing called a curry donut. It's like a, uh, if you ever had Japanese curry, they put it in the middle. They love stuffing breads with stuff. So they take like a little piece of uh, fried bread. It's got like, you know, the little breadcrumbs on the outside to give it a crispy crust. And then they uh, they put curry on the inside and fry it. And it's, it's one of my favorite foods. Okay. Favorite gambling moment of all time? Uh, interesting. <laughs> uh Okay, I can give, uh, I mean, it's a fairly esoteric one. So I had a friend who was like broke, but they were back to the Tampa Bay Rays. He, he was like uh, broke in the fall of 2008. And all he had was like a future ticket on the, the Tampa Bay Rays to, to make it to the World Series. And like, uh, you know, so in the, what was it, game seven, maybe? I want to say it was game seven of the ALCS. Matt Garza had thrown like 124 pitches. And uh, my friend is like, okay, I want to, I want to, Give, you, give me a million to one odds that Matt Garza comes out for the eighth inning. I'm thinking like Joe Madden is a, uh, you know, a sabermetric mind. There's no way. I know my friend doesn't have any money though. So I told him, I'll wager you a million pride points to one pride point that Garza doesn't come out there. And he like came out for one batter. So I'm, I'm like dead broke on pride points uh, now, but this was a big triumphant moment for my friend. Favorite bet you are making in the next year, or if, or maybe you're not going to make one. Do you think you'll make one? Favorite? How am I supposed to know this? <laughs> I mean, a, define it loosely. Yeah, um, I don't it's know. There, some a, moment in time, it's a you versus Ken Jennings, or is it what is it? They're talking about bringing a uh, a primetime like pro the pro level Jeopardy League. I think is how the executive producer calls it. This this is like a whole a whole other subject. He wants to like allow for betting on uh, on Jeopardy because I mean like 
they you know anything about Jeopardy, if you know anything about the Jeopardy audience, they're like old, right? So they're they're trying <laughs> to get the young people in there. And what do young people love? They love gambling. They love fantasy leagues. And they uh, so the executive producer is like trying to, to play off this. And it's like, you know, one one big thing, it's pre-recorded, right? You can't have betting on a pre-recorded event. But he was saying, what if we air this thing live? And you there's a lot of logistical issues with that. But like besides that, um, yeah, like there there might be a, a large opportunity to bet on myself in that. Uh, but, but it's, well, it's, <laughs> if that happens, we will have a bet the process Calcutta for it. There we okay. go. Okay. There, there, there we go. Because I mean, like, I don't know about other states. I don't know if Nevada doesn't let you bet on this kind of stuff anyway. So like maybe New Jersey, maybe there's a few other states that like the ones that allow Oscars betting would, would take bets on it. But yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. Worst loss you've ever had? Worst loss I've ever had. Uh, to Emma? I don't know. Maybe to Emma? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a pretty good one. I probably, that probably cost me a million bucks right there. So uh, that's, that's worse than any sports betting loss, I'm sure. I don't know. I think I went like uh one and nine in the first two weekends of the nfl playoffs last year if that, if that can all be lumped into one um yeah i don't know I, monetarily i think like uh, there was a 2016 nlcs game i lost a, a whole bundle on but just uh yeah i don't know there's the, the real gut punches i think come when you're on a like a day you have a, a couple day streak where you go like one and 14 or something like that so those those, those hit the hardest okay final question Person you'd follow blindly? Uh, no one. <laughs> My wife? I don't know. <laughs> Even Davidow, you wouldn't follow him blindly? Uh, okay. I mean, I, I guess. But yeah, yeah, I suppose I would. I don't If Rufus gave you a uh, golf pick, I'd follow why, that blindly. Why is he giving me a golf pick? Yeah, exactly. like, you know, this, this is why you have to stay every time. Like, why is, why is this person who clearly has lots of money to bet himself giving me a pick? Because he's just a huge fan of Jeopardy. And of course. He just really he wants, he's wants trying to, to give back to the community. Yeah, and he wants no, to would, endear himself to you. So one day, if he's ever on Jeopardy, you'll help him. I'm, I might follow Dad blindly, but I think in general, the correct answer is no one. So. There we if go. I'm on Jeopardy, I hope he'll play footsie with me so I can know what the correct answers are. <laughs> We got to work out our code. And with that, that's uh, a way to usher out our guest. Thanks so much, James. Thanks for the time. Thanks, guys. Well, that was James Holzhauer. And I would have to say that was one of our better interviews that we've had in recent times. But um, I would love to hear what our seven listeners have to say about it. Uh, We are starting a brand new feature. And this is very exciting because as we do this, we're really bringing in questions from Twitter. And so each week you guys can tweet at me and send me questions that you would like me to ask Rufus. And then I get to pick one to ask Rufus. And so today, my question for you, Rufus, is what is the best meal that you've had that costs less than $15 in the last year? What is the best... I don't know if I've had a meal that costs less than $15. Nothing costs oh less God, than $15. Oh my God, so unrelatable. Anymore. Nothing costs. What can you get that costs less than $15? Fewer I, than $15. I, fewer than fewer. $15. Um, Chipotle, it is, McDonald's. It's got to be, okay, I think it's probably Rasa, which is, What's... it's a Indian fast casual place in the DC area that mm. I had. It was quite delicious. Is it like, uh, do they do Indian like wraps and naan? Is that what they do? You can get Kati rolls. No, it's got you. You get your base. It's just it's just like a sweet green or a kava or a chipotle. You know, you have your base, and then you get to put a protein and then all the vegetables and all that stuff. So it was good. I believe it was less than fifteen dollars. I think it was like thirteen. Okay. Well, 
Yeah, the avocado is, might be 15. Since this is our first time doing it, we're going to do two questions. The second one is, in one sitting, how long do you think it would take you to explain the Massey Peabody system to Mr. Tony? In one sitting? Ooh. I think Ho- I hopefully this it. answer is just not a number, not just a number. Hopefully there's more to this answer, Rufus. Oh, I was going to just give a number, but I, I think that it all depends on the level I would have uh, of explanation. I could, I could give a very simple Give me the simple a, answer, to like, him, a, but just pretend I'm Mr. Tony. Do you want me to explain it to you right now? Yeah, I'll I'll ask her. I'll act curmudgeony and whatnot, and you know, be funny and curmudgeony. No, I mean, I think I think the the beauty of it is that we you can kind of explain the concepts pretty. Simply. Well, what are the concepts? Explain them to me. The con- like the I'm a twelve year old. Okay, the concepts or are Mr. Tony. That we are contextualizing performance, so adjusting for things that you know are such as strength of opponent, home field advantage, the game situation. So to, to sort of. So future performance, future performance is indicative of a past performance is indicative of future performance, but contextualizing past performance makes it much more predictive. Yes. We contextualize past performance and weight by weighted by how predictive it is. So weights, so certain elements of the game get weighted more because they're more predictive. So that's basically what it is in a nutshell. Got it. Okay. So it's like 45 seconds with an assist from Jeff. Now the question becomes, would Mr. Tony understand that? So maybe we need to get you on the podcast. Um, if you're, you need to be on the East coast cause you do a butt crack early, by the way, I was four and one last week in my Mr. Tony pick. So I'm now nine and six for the season picking it. Well, well done. Thanks. Chuck Todd was six and one. So I got uh, that to compete. The we're doing was... unabated. We're doing like an, uh, there's this unabated pool. And I went four and one week one, and then I forgot to submit my picks week two. Sounds about right. Okay. Uh, now we're going to enter into a little bit of talking about the week to come. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about, I think Rufus and I are going to start doing one pick a week. So if you came for picks, you're on the wrong place. But if you came for picks singular, you're maybe in the right place. Um, and we can do NFL or college. There's one game, but before we get into that, I mean, what is the game that you're most excited or what are you, what are you excited to watch this weekend? Maybe it's reruns of Falcon crest um, or what are you, what are you excited to watch? I'm honestly excited to not watch sports this weekend very much. I kind of made this decision last week. I was like, I'm spending way too much of my time on the weekend doing football related things betting football related things. I need to kind of get away from that. So I, I think I'll, I'll watch some, probably some red zone on Sunday, but I don't think I'm going to watch much in the way of college football. What I typically, I'm typically always excited to watch the Patriots games these days. It's funny because I was explaining to someone the other day, and this is going to sound so pompous as a Patriots fan, but like the, the years from like 19, from like 2000, whatever, four or five or six or whatever to like 2018, I never watched the regular season because the regular season didn't matter because we were just always running through. It was like a question of whether we were going to be the number one seed or the number two seed or whether we're going to go undefeated or not. But now that we suck, it's like fun to watch the regular season because like, I have no idea whether we're going to win. Well, I guess now I'm starting to feel like we're not going to win. I think for me, the most exciting thing that I want to see is this Clemson NC state game. And actually that's the Rufus Jeff showdown in the Calcutta, right? Because I have Clemson. They're six and a half point favorites over NC State. You have NC State. Do I have NC State? Yeah. I think you were excited. You have NC State in Iowa, right? And and Western Kentucky. I know your team is better than you do. 
Western Kentucky mm-hmm. won 73 to nothing over an FBS team last Who? weekend. Florida International. Oh, well, they're not in the Calcutta, so that doesn't per- do you know have you been following any of the Calcutta stuff? Like who's got had who's the biggest team to blow out so far or no. the biggest upset? Wait, Florida International didn't make it into the Calcutta? I don't I'm believe sure so. Did. No. I don't think David out took like every team at the end. No, I don't think he took FIU. You're thinking Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic made it, but not Florida Maybe. International. So well, I'm excited to see that that Clemson game because I think this might be if they win that, they really do have a reasonable shot at winning the ACC and, and potentially making the college football playoffs, which would make my purchase of them in the Calcutta feel really good. Can I just say how much I hate betting on Clemson? Cause I feel like I do it every single week and have lat the last few seasons and DJ Uyagalele, Uyagalele. Ooh, I got it right. I think, um, I wish, I mean, that guy just does not inspire confidence at quarterback for me. He it's, he had a really good game this last game. He had no, like, he didn't. He had a, like, you're definitely like, you're grading on a curve. Okay. So Rufus, My, are you betting on them this week? Yeah, I did bet him. Unfortunately, I bet him at six and a half, but Ooh. I don't know what it is now. I, I feel like it it's is probably, six and a half. Yeah. The mark, so there's yeah. some resistance there. Yeah. This is, you know, I, I feel like the team is too talented, but they have some injuries. That's the problem there on okay. defense, especially. But I want to actually amend my answer because what I actually am excited to watch is Orioles baseball. And hopefully they'll have some meaningful games this weekend. They play the Yankees and hopefully Aaron judge won't hit his 61st homer against the Orioles, but they are three and a half games, I believe, or maybe just three games now back of the Mariners for the final wild card spot with, I believe nine or 10 games to go. So it's, it's the first time they've been playing meaningful baseball since what, 2016. So. Baseball is so dead to me. It's really sad. They're playing. They play the Red Sox today, huh? They're minus. Should we should we put a little wager on the Red Sox Orioles game today for shits and giggles? Yeah, why not? You gonna let me do it at even, even though it's minus one nineteen? Should oh, we bet at dinner? We're, we're gonna bet each other, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Should we bet okay. at dinner? Yeah, we'll All bet right, let's dinner. bet our next dinner. Um, if I can convince you to stay in Vegas for October twelfth, when I'll be there, we'll have dinner d- together that night. That sounds good. And by the way, Jeff, by the way, I have, I kind of lost fandom from baseball um, with betting it, but I was like following it really closely. And now it's kind of the opposite. Now that I don't bet it, I can be an Orioles fan again, but I have no idea what's going on in baseball more broadly. Where should we um, go to dinner in Vegas now that Domo's closed? Um, We're not going to go to Delilah, just the two of us. We'll go somewhere that has better food. Where do you want to go? You haven't been to Esther's yet, but I like eat there two or three days a week. So that wouldn't be super special for me, um, but it would be special. That sounds like it's not on the strip. I can't really leave the strip. It's, you know, it's like a mile north of the strip. We got to go somewhere with Asian food. We got to go somewhere with good Asian food because honestly, like living in Marin County, it's just the worst, the Asian food in the world. There's none. It's terrible. Well, you're my restaurant guy, Jeff. So if you don't, yeah, know I'll figure place, out something. Then, I actually yeah. want to go to that place that's like that Chinese restaurant that has a Michelin star that's in the wind and equal, equally unrelatable again. Um, that's what we try to do: be as unrelatable as possible. Sorry, Kanish. Okay, finally, pick of the week. This is sponsored by. We're waiting. Someone can sponsor it. Pick of the week. Who's our pick? Who's your pick of the week? You know, I'm going to, I think more points is better. So I'm going to take Rutgers plus 41. More points is better. Rutgers plus yeah. 40. You know what? At least that game, you know, the bet will be winning most of the game. I hope. <laughs> you know? Rutgers. Plus, who are they even playing? Ohio Luke? State. They're at Ohio State. They're at. Oh, 
Ohio State is pretty good. They score a lot of points. That's yes, they're good at playing the football. Um, I am gonna play the. I'm gonna take the. Uh, should this really be my pick of the week? It's really sad to do this. Is this the? Is it a Patriots? I'm gonna take the Patriots plus ten because there's still a chance that Mac may play. And that line. Wait, does did you seem see him inflated. walking down the stairs or being like uh, those memes with like Saving Private Ryan? He looks like someone had shot him. He kind of always looks like that. It's just kind of that's his, actually a good that's point. kind of a stick. That's, that's a kind point. of a stick. Um, all right, guys. Well, I mean, is there anything else? I mean, it was it one pick of the week. I guess that's one pick. Yeah, there we go. We each did one. There we go. Except, it, but people know that I bet Clemson too. Unfortunately, unfortunately or unfortunately, I don't know. It's unfortunately because it's probably going to lose but maybe maybe Thanks. people tell me i'll get some closing line value maybe i don't know if people tell you anymore no, i mean I we've seen so. seen what happens six and uh, 18 last weekend that's i mean you're due you're definitely due yeah, i wait that that is like impressively bad like you have to tr- like you have to be really talented at picking the wrong side what, what's an approximate that? ballpark figure for the number of uh de niro's rufus coin that you lost when when you lost that much when you lost went six and 18 um about 250 wow thousand de niro rufus rufus coin. de niro coins wow that's a lot plus plus then the and then the second after the second half it gets worse oh that's not even including oh, the second no, half that doesn't include the second half jeff it was it was a it was a painful weekend it's funny because the first week that we bet second halves, I was like, man, I don't know if I want to do these anymore. They take a lot of time. There's a lot of, and, and like maybe that and we, we didn't do particularly well. And then the second week we did really well. And so I was like, man, why wouldn't I bet these? And then the third week we did pretty mediocre. So I think our second halves are maybe a teeny bit plus EV. If, if anything, I feel the same way. And, and it's like, there's sometimes when it's fun, but it just doesn't make sense. You know, in terms you know when of, those times are. The, when you know you when win. those times are. When you're winning. Yeah. When you're winning. Of it's course. It's funny. But the thing is, it, it is. It's certainly not the best use of our time. Us, if you think uh, about, like, you know, time, like, no, hanging out with my kids is the best use yeah. of my time. And that's, even in the betting, the even in the betting world, you know, I there there are things that I can spend time on that are, or you know, and my traders can spend time on that are far going to be far more lucrative and better. Wow. You sound like you have an operation now. My traders, you sound like one of those real sports betting, my partners, whatever you're going to call them. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys all again next week. And uh, don't forget to rate this podcast because we have to overcome the negative uh, ratings Uh, that we got when Rufus had his fight with empire maker. Uh, But when he paid people, when he paid like 50 people, 50 bucks each to, to yeah. give us one star ratings. Yeah. Yeah. We need someone to, we, maybe we'll pay you guys $50 for five star ratings, but rate, rate us, subscribe, download on uh, anywhere you get, I uh, get um, uh, podcasts specifically iTunes, but, um, thank you guys all for listening.